This podcast, we talk about the importance of minerals, anti-aging, fasting, testosterone, biohacking, plus lots, lots more. And I had the pleasure to chat with Sim Land all about this today. So Sim is a best-selling author, public speaker, high-performance coach, content creator, and professional biohacker. And he creates content about optimizing health, performance, longevity, and well-being with different biohacking techniques. He's written a lot of books and he is very knowledgeable. And after a short stint in the military and earning a degree in anthropology, he decided instead to fully commit to his writing, podcasting, entrepreneurship and coaching in a health and wellness space. We cover a lot in this podcast and we really do hope you enjoy. And there is a lot to take away from this today. So get started. All right. Welcome, Sam. Thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me and I'm glad to speak to you. (laughs) Um, so first of all, and I said just just um, when we weren't recording, I've got lots to go through with you. But firstly, I really am fascinated in how you got into biohacking, writing books. So a bit of your history for the audience. Yeah, well, um, I uh, got into biohacking um, around like uh, in the university when I was uh, just interested in uh fitness and uh, bodybuilding and uh, that kind of things uh, to just optimize my physical performance and uh, as well as like mental performance, like the studies and uh, just cognition and those kinds of things. And uh, yeah, just uh, stumbled upon like different kinds of podcasts about these topics and uh, started to also experiment with like more conventional biohacking techniques like ketosis. And uh, I was already doing like, you know, fasting before that, but uh, after the biohacking, uh, I started to do like, ketosis, uh, different kinds of uh, supplement, supplementation routines, uh, different kinds of like te- te- technologies and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, and since then, I just uh, kind of, you know, grew my like a blog where I also shared these kinds of experiences. Uh, from there, I uh, created my YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, the YouTube channel has been growing uh, since, yeah, like maybe for the last four to five years. And uh, yeah, just just been uh, kind of gradually going along the same uh, path of just uh, learning about uh, any kind of thing that I'm uh, interested in. Usually, or not nowadays, it's uh, a lot to do with the longevity as well. Uh, but yeah, anything to uh, fit, fitness, uh, physical performance, uh, cognition, longevity, uh, and uh, yeah, just uh, overall like uh, health and wellness. Mm. Awesome, awesome. And um, and if you got to mention writing amazing books, and I don't know how you write that amount of books and uh, the the, quant- the quantity of what's inside them is incredible. So, um, you know, Immune Fix and the Mineral Fix, and there was one that I've forgotten. What was the other one? It's uh, Stronger by Stress. That's it, Stronger by Stress. Yeah, yeah. wonderful. So... We'll get, I just want to dive into firstly a little bit about aging and that will bring in together a few other things as well because it's a big topic at the moment. It's always going to be a topic for people, especially as they get that little bit older, they want to sort of defy the odds. 
So what are you, what's your perspective on ageing, your stance on ageing? Uh, we're, we're reversing, we're slowing, and then sort of things that coincide with ageing, speed up and then, you know, slowing down as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the, uh, it would be good to start to, um, like, uh, define of what is ageing and, uh, like, what, is, what does it actually do? So, uh, you know, we are as you know, living organisms, we're like programmed to age. So it's a part of our, you know, genes and DNA. And we don't know like what is the exact mechanism or why this happens, et cetera, but it's almost like, you know, bound to happen. And, uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a natural process, but at the same time, like uh, it's uh, also um, like very much uh, linked to like our lifestyle and uh, our like, yeah, just the, the way we live, etc. So those things are gonna affect our like biological age, whereas the chronological age is just the uh, speed, the just the like the number that we were born in and like the passport number, etc. How old are we? Are chronologically, but biologically we can be like yeah diff- different kinds of age uh, for sure. Like we can be older, we can be younger, and uh, that is determined by this epigenetics and uh, longevity, our lifestyle, and of, like there's also like this this misconception about slowing down aging and uh, like living forever. So like people immediately think that uh, if you want to slow down your aging process and you want to basically promote longevity, then it means that you want to like be some sort of a cyborg, you know, like a, <laughs> like a immortal cell or something like that, uh, which isn't like the case, like a living, living forever and uh, just slowing down aging are not the same things. You can uh, slow down the aging process and the, in the process you will uh, basically reduce the, uh, the risk of all these uh, age related diseases like uh, with age all these uh, disease risk disease risk of disease goes up like your risk of cancer goes up heart disease goes up diabetes mm-hmm. and everything goes up because your body is uh, biologically older and becomes more dysfunctional whereas if you were to try to fix that or try to target the aging process then uh, you would uh, also uh, mitigate all these potential side effects of aging and uh, you can still die <laughs> like you can still die <laughs> you're probably not going to increase your lifespan like uh, li- increasing your lifespan isn't also like necessarily the same as increasing your longevity or increasing your health span but uh, yeah the, the idea behind slowing down aging is to yeah just be more functional be healthier for longer so to say to be in your uh, fit years and uh, healthy years for longer instead of going on meds in your 40s and uh, just uh, starting to deteriorate slowly which uh, like the most uh, people tend to do so yeah, yeah that's the kind of difference like the, we, we probably aren't able to, with like these old biohacks eating healthy and exercising and sleeping well like you're probably not going to live uh, beyond the natural human limit with just these like natural things uh, it's just about um, increasing the quality of your uh, life and to go beyond the natural limits then we need to do like some sort of genetic engineering or some sort of magical drugs or med- medications, uh, some other technologies to actually, you know, reach that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know you've spoken to uh, Mr. Sinclair on your podcast and um, he's, he's right in the middle of all that research and really leading the way. Yeah. So it's fascinating stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it's also like from an economic perspective, it's uh, good because um, like trying to fix these uh, age or diseases or trying to treat them is also like a huge uh, burden on the economy, so to say, like uh, a lot of money gets uh, spent on uh, medications and uh, healthcare and uh, those kind of things. And the Sinclair actually, a few uh, weeks ago, he published like this paper where he assessed that if we were to slow down or reverse the uh, biological age by even just one year in the entire population, then that would uh, basically save 
38 trillion dollars so that's like a huge uh improvement in the in the economy and yeah like it's and it's not like that much like uh it's very easy to do actually you can do it very easily within like a few uh, months or years or something you can see these improvements already so uh yeah it's a pretty important focus i think oh absolutely i think the idea of it just needs to change and i have these conversations all the time because of the obviously the industry that i'm in and and the health system and what's happening in the world and all these sorts of things and there's just no focus on preventative and it really is quite simple and free for a lot of the things it's just about people being aware of what's out there so that's why i love what you do i love what everyone's doing spreading the word on on, on trying to get people involved in their own health and looking after their own health is just so important so important so mm -hmm. That sort of leads me into asking about um, different aspects that are involved in that because it does lead into aging as well or anti-aging. Yeah, well, uh, autophagy uh, got like a lot of attention in 2013 when uh, one Japanese researcher got a Nobel Prize for uh, describing uh, autophagy in uh, yeast and it helped to like increase the lifespan of uh, those yeasts. So autophagy itself is just this uh, process, like intracellular process of uh, recycling almost, that you um, recycle different kinds of material inside a cell, usually like waste material and uh, junk and the debris that just accumulates there. And uh, like dysfunctional mitochondria, broken parts that just, you know, uh, stay there and uh, start to spread information and uh, damage the uh, basically functioning of the cell. With autophagy, you um, clear it out and uh, eliminate those parts and uh, create new energy, which, which because of that, it has like this uh, anti-aging effect and longevity effect, uh, but it also has uh, other benefits, like it's also involved in the immune system. It uh, helps with uh, like a cognitive health, uh, prevents or protects against uh, like a lot of these uh, neurodegenerative uh, diseases. And uh, yeah, in, in all, all different kinds of uh, like these uh, age-related uh, age conditions can be improved with that. Uh, but yeah, like it's not uh, necessarily that like the misconception is about it that it's uh, like this on and off switch that you need to do something uh, specifically to activate it. Like it's happening uh, almost all the time to a certain degree. It's just that, yeah, like some things uh, inhibit it further, whereas other things accelerate it or boost it up. And uh, although it has like all these benefits, it's not always the most optimal thing uh, either. Like it has also some negative side effects, um, like excess autophagy can, can be also bad. Uh, so yeah. In the book, uh, I at least like you know talk about all the research. How do you um, how do you activate it? Uh, what are the things that do it? And uh, also, what's the trying to figure out like what's the optimal amount? And uh, also incorporate it into just a healthy healthy overall lifestyle that also includes like exercise, uh, good uh, good nutrition, and uh, other good uh, habits. Yeah, yeah. And I love the, the paper Navajo put out, which is the cell danger response. And it's got a little bit of summer, winter, and we're looking at the, the mTOR and the AMPK and the balance between, you know, the different processes that are required by the body, the day, the night, the, the, the meals, the fasting, uh, all these aspects are really a, a balance within, you know, the evolutionary sense of where we're meant to be. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the mTOR AMPK is obviously a massively you know, important, two massively important pathways. So we'll get you to run through that with me as well. And then just a few little things that people can do to increase or um, activate. Yeah, so autophagy is um, like this uh, breakdown pathway of, of recycling. And uh, you can't really like, you know, <laughs> 
break down forever because then you're going to deteriorate away and uh, become frail. So you also need to uh, promote growth and uh, new regeneration. So the opposite of autophagy is, uh, or the pa pa opposite pathway of autophagy is uh, mTOR, which is a mammalian target of uh, rapamycin. And uh, mTOR is basically like this growth, growth switch uh, that uh, promotes uh, muscle growth, uh, cell proliferation, cell survival, and just, you know, uh, replication. And uh, you need mTOR for surviving. You need mTOR to uh, repair, repair muscles. You need mTOR to uh, adapt to exercise and uh, other things as well. You know, nerve cells, uh, stem cells, they kind of need mTOR as well. So like you, you don't want to be, you know, chronically in autophagy and you need sometimes where you need mTOR, but you don't want to be chronically with high mTOR uh, either because of, if you're growing all the time, then uh, that can potentially, at least like in research, uh, in animal research, it does. Uh, there is like this link that uh, excess mTOR or this uh, dysfunctional mTOR activation can uh, accelerate aging as well as uh, promote some uh, malignancies or tumors. Like uh, mm -hmm. if you're growing, then you're growing everything. <laughs> like wow. it's like indiscriminate. It's, it doesn't choose that the healthy cells are replicated. Everything grows, uh, the good and the bad. Yeah. So uh, yeah, like um, like striking, finding is optimal balance is uh, one of the main topics of the book. And um, it's also yeah something that um, just just uh, can be quite, you know, it's, it's, it's not something that is like super difficult to, to do either. It's just that the modern uh, lifestyle where people are eating uh, all the time, they're snacking all the time, then they are uh, inhibiting the autology process all the time and uh, they're keeping their mTOR levels elevated. They're just overeating calories, uh, high blood sugar, diabetes, all those things uh, keep the mTOR activated, which then uh, inevitably will accelerate their uh, biological aging. Whereas uh, if they try to kind of confine it in some way, restrict it, uh, which the easiest way to do that is to do some uh, time restricted eating or indoor fasting, uh, then they can uh, greatly, uh, greatly, like it's a pretty easy win to uh, reduce this uh, potential harm. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And again, like you say, lifestyle aspects come down to that where people are overeating. Also related to, well, it's related to bodybuilding and where, where people are constantly trying to feed and build and feed and build and feed and build and, build and that, can, that also needs a break. It also needs a little bit of repair <laughs> overnight and, and fasting in those circumstances. So, and I know you're, you're, you're an expert in all of this sort of stuff. So give me a bit of an example for those who are wanting to build muscle. You know, don't have to be scared of, of, of breaking down cells and, and what's your ideal, and I know you do, Omar, which is the, the one meal a day, and you love that, and talk us through sort of some aspects of what your day might, might look like in that regard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, um, the, yeah, some of the misconceptions about fasting or skipping meals is that you're going to lose muscle or you're going to go into the starvation mode and uh, become like frail and to slow down your metabolism and those kinds of things. Uh, well, it's, it's not inherently like caused by fasting. It's just the, if you uh, skip meals, then you may naturally uh, tend to under eat calories as well. And you just, uh, because of the calorie restriction itself, you will also see this uh, decline in metabolic rate. So it's not necessarily the fasting, it's just the not eating enough calories overall. Uh, and when it comes to muscle growth, then um, yeah, like optimally it is uh, slightly better for muscle growth if you are eating you know several times a day all the time um but you know most people don't need to do that unless they have like some uh, really professional goals uh and uh yeah it's it's kind of kind of this myth of uh, that you need to have those meals 
it, mm. it is better, but it's not um, eating less frequently. It's not going to be uh, inferior either, as long as you're getting uh, enough calories and as long as you're eating enough protein. Uh, so um, spreading out your protein intake across, you know, four to six meals would help with muscle hypertrophy, but eating your entire protein in like one to two meals isn't going to lead to a muscle loss either, as long as you're getting enough protein. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, just a kind of a slight difference, uh, but it's not that huge. And most people are going to still be able to uh, train and they can still, still be able to improve their body composition, even if they're eating uh, once or twice a day. Yeah. And the key there is actually getting enough in those meals. And so the meal yeah. that you have, I'm not sure if you still do it, but the, the one meal a day, is that is that obviously quite a large meal that you're having? Is it sort of in, in portions where you're eating it over an hour or so? Is, what does that look like for you? Uh, yeah, like it's um, usually it's like uh, two over two hours. Um, uh, I'm not like eating all the time. I'm just, you know, um, maybe it's like two meals within that two hour window or something. Yeah. Um, so it's not like entirely one meal a day. Uh, but yeah, I get adequate amounts of uh, protein. It's pretty easy if you're eating uh, some animal uh, proteins like mm -hmm. eggs, uh, fish and meat, they're high in protein and uh, the calorie content itself is also uh, quite easy uh, if, if you're eating uh, the higher calorie uh, proteins. So uh, yeah, like it may be difficult if you're eating like uh, chicken breast <laughs> or some other like low fat uh, proteins or a lot of like fibers and uh, vegetables or like celery or kale, then it can be definitely difficult to uh, hit your calories. But if you're eating uh, so the higher calorie meals, then uh, it's not that, that super difficult. And um, like, I'm not like eating a huge amount of calories uh, either. Like I'm eating maybe, unusually I'm mean, making 2000 to 2500 calories a day. And uh, it's not like uh, an athlete maybe would consume 3500 or something, uh, 3000. Uh, because, but it, for me, like I, I, I also think that some aspects of calorie moderation is also good for longevity because that's one of the um, one of the most, let's say, universal things that appears to uh, have a longevity effect. Just calorie restriction and uh, not the overeating calories. So yeah, I believe. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, fantastic. That's, I think that's really good, good tips. And it's, it's really important, I think, for people to understand that you don't need to have meals, all, meals all, all the day. You can actually have your amount of calories, making sure you're not going to be losing muscle, especially if you're aiming for, for that. And that reduction of calories over time really leads to increased longevity. And that's, like you say, it's a very universal, accepted um, idea that's been well-researched now. So it's fantastic. So in terms of timing of your meals, is it morning or night that you prefer? And anything relating to that in terms of the research or benefits for the body? Yeah, the there are like some studies that do look at uh, whether or not whether or not it's better to skip uh, breakfast or skip uh, dinner uh, but they do find that there isn't like a huge uh, significant difference between them if they are doing uh, some sort of uh, time sheet eating so uh, they take two groups of people one group eats breakfast and lunch the second one eats lunch and dinner they do that for two weeks they wait a little bit uh, another week and they swap so that the the dinner group eats breakfast now and the breakfast group eats dinner. Uh, so, and they find that they, there is no difference in uh, like blood sugar and uh, some other markers, biomarkers. Uh, so that, I think that is, if you're doing some sort of timesheet eating, uh, which you just confine your eating window within some hours, then it doesn't really matter when it is. Like maybe, yeah, it wouldn't be a good idea to eat immediately before bed, uh, but generally it's uh, not uh, a significant uh, difference as long as you're not, not the overeating calories. 
and uh, but when it comes to like uh, just the standard way of eating, like three meals a day, six meals a day, something like that, um, uh, with uh, this uh, skipping uh, dinner or skipping breakfast, then those uh, th those uh, studies find that the uh, the narrowing of the eating window does have like this additional benefit on uh, lowering uh, blood sugar, lowering uh, insulin, lowering other like. Uh, blood pressure and some and raising some other like longevity markers like autophagy and uh, some other longevity genes so mm -hmm. yeah like the the, the uh, th so the magic or the most effect comes from just the narrow or eating window and it doesn't really matter where that is yeah yeah and yeah that's you know like intermittent fasting or time restricted eating all these sorts of different names of just like that narrowing of windows wherever in the day but just making sure that you're not fasting in the middle of the mm -hmm. day and then eating other side of that which <laughs> People, you know, trying to length the gap between hands. No, overnight, you need to maximize the overnight time. Yeah, fantastic. So I sort of want to jump into keto and ketosis out of that sort of fasting and what we were just talking about. Um, in terms of where you lie in the, in the, the keto realm and do, do you stick to keto a lot of the time? Do you, um, you know, do you come in and out of keto? Give us a bit of an idea about that and also then benefits and and, and how to start and, and keto meal planning and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, keto um, has uh, some similar benefits uh, to fasting uh, because it um, also lowers your blood sugar and uh, insulin. It uh, mimics some aspects of this uh, fasted physiology and uh, it definitely is very useful for um, like epilepsy and um, potentially like diabetes and insulin resistance as well in the short term. Uh, I do think that uh, being mindful about your carbohydrate intake is a smart thing because you're yeah, like uh, hyperglycemia, elevated blood sugar all the time. That's not uh, really, really good for uh, aging and uh, longevity. And uh, yeah, like diabetes can shorten your life by, you know, five to, five to 10 years, something like that. Uh, so um, yeah, just, just like restricting your carbohydrates a little bit, uh, at least being uh, strategic about it is also like an easy thing to do. And uh, the way I go about it is that uh, I eat my carbs based upon my like physical activity. So if I am exercising a lot, uh, I am under like this higher burden. Mm -hmm. I'm also burning through a lot of glycogen. Then I'll also eat more carbs mm -hmm. to uh, promote recovery and uh, facilitate facilitate uh, the glycogen resynthesis. Whereas if I'm like uh, not exercising, I'm sedentary, it's so, like a rest day, then I'll keep the carbs also lower because my body doesn't I need that many carbs and I would much rather at that state uh, go into some uh, aspects of ketosis. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, like semi-ketosis has benefits on the uh, brain, uh, inflammation levels, it gets lower and uh, cognition, at least like from my experience, it's uh, more sharper, more mental clarity is better a bit. Uh, so yeah, just, uh, you know, kind of on, up and down with a carbohydrate intake throughout a week. Mm -hmm. And that's how I do it. And uh, yeah, I don't think that you you don't want to be in chronic ketosis uh, either, like uh, being on a strict keto uh, like for years and uh, months, because like one thing that does happen is that um, your body kind of loses this uh, ability to burn uh, glucose for fuel. It becomes slightly insulin resistant, or the muscles become insulin resistant because you're only burning uh, fats and ketones. And uh, like if you don't eat carbs, then that's not going to be a problem. But uh, if you eat like accidentally some carbs, like uh, you have a cheat day or something when you've been in ketosis for uh, several weeks, then you may have like this uh, insulin resistance that uh, can cause like this uh, massive spike in the blood sugar that stays elevated for longer. And that's, you know, gonna be bad for um, 
just heart disease and just overall health. If you do it like once or something, then it's not going to be a problem probably. But uh, yeah, like optimally, you can prevent that quite easily by just doing uh, ketosis cyclically. That uh, you do embrace some aspects of ketosis and low carb, but uh, you also have days where you eat uh, slightly high carb. And the carbs also are good for like the thyroid, uh, leptin levels, keeping mm-hmm. your metabolic rate up, and uh, hormones. So uh, yeah, like your thyroid hormones need uh, carbohydrates and insulin. So yeah. Like both are good, but uh, doing them like cyclically is, is kind of the best way. Yeah, I, I really like that. And fantastic point about, about the insulin and being, being on keto for too long. I see keto as really as a therapeutic diet or to utilize certain forms of burning for certain activities and, and really working with that. You know, we've got so much that we can mm-hmm. work with for our biology so we can really, and that, that's biohacking really, isn't it? So yeah, I really love that. And, and I love doing that myself too. I mean, ketosis most like some of the day and then i'll have carbohydrates at night that works really well for me whether others really love a couple of days of keto and then we'll do a few days of carbs but yeah i totally agree with you there i really yeah and i didn't even think about the fact or hasn't brought to my attention before about the insulin and um you know losing that ability or or the 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 efficiency of the ability to actually burn glucose yeah very important right fantastic um now i just want to jump in before i go into um, your mineral fix, the, the book, and also immune fix. I actually want to talk really about the, the, the top tricks and, and tips around immune and also minerals, how important they are. But firstly, testosterone. I have a lot of men asking me about testosterone. I have a lot of clients in clinic who have low testosterone at a really young age. So, mm-hmm. and, I, and I know you research a lot about this and give a lot of tips and tricks about this as well. So talk to me through, why do you think that we have sort of like this really low testosterone in young males? It's, it's, it's quite concerning. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, the, the, it's, a, it's a pretty, uh, yeah, like scary, scary trend. So it's been decreasing mm-hmm. uh, since the 80s by like one to 3% per year, the average of testosterone. Um, so yeah, like there are many reasons for that, uh, but hypothetical reasons. The biggest one, I think it just has to do with um, like the poor lifestyle, overeating, uh, not exercising, not getting enough uh, vitamin D and sunlight, not sleeping well, stress. And uh, those things are for sure have like a, a huge uh, impact, but also the uh, environmental aspect that uh, there's a lot of these, uh, like this rise in a lot of these uh, plastics and uh, other like artificial chemicals and compounds in our environment that have been shown to have this uh, negative effect on testosterone. And they contain all these different kinds of xenoestrogens, uh, which are these uh, compounds that mimic estrogen inside the body. So all the plastics, BPA, flame retardants, uh, bisphenol, yeah, like, yeah, phthalates, there's like <laughs> thousands of different kinds of names, uh, different kinds of uh, chemical formulations, and they all have like this negative effect on uh, testosterone and uh, fertility, uh, sperm count as well. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, <laughs> quite a, I think that is also like a pretty uh, big uh, factor. So all this, yeah, drinking out of pl- plastic bottles, microwaving plastics, um, even like touching the receipts where the uh, print is there, that is also contains these uh, things. So yeah, it's a combination of many things. And uh, yeah, I think uh, it's something to kind of uh, try to uh, pay attention to for sure. Yeah, it's huge. And yeah, I absolutely agree. It's like this toxic um, cauldron of stuff that we're dealing with. And yeah, I say it's a lot of people forget that. My my kids, I tell them, <laughs> they try and grab the receipt after I go to the shop and I'm like, no, don't touch that. <laughs> kids are so sensitive to that and everyone is. So 
how how do you target that? You know, for for the for the clients you see, for the people you talk to, what what sort of you obviously the avoidance of all these things is really hard in our society because mm -hmm. we we can't avoid everything. There's microplastics everywhere. It's even in you know as, as some people say, it's in our rainwater <laughs> because it can come from it's coming from the ocean. So mm -hmm. what's your what's your sort of best tips and tricks for men to be able to get their testosterone levels up because they're so important, protective and and really for the, for the mental aspect and cardiovascular, yeah. <laughs> so what do you say? Yeah, well, uh, it starts with the kind of basics of the fundamentals, like uh, for sure, like just um, implementing some regular exercise and uh, a clean diet where it helps with weight loss and increases muscle mass. So uh, those things are going to be the, the biggest leverage, levers for sure. Like if you're not doing them, then uh, you should definitely start. And uh, especially like uh, weightlifting uh, or resistance exercise, that has the, like the biggest effect on uh, testosterone. And uh, from a diet perspective, like uh, a higher protein intake helps with weight loss. And so uh, as well as uh, like, uh, like a lower fat diet can be bad for testosterone. Uh, but anything beyond like 40 or 50% from fat is not going to have like additional benefits on uh, testosterone production. Mm -hmm. And the carbohydrates can also be uh, important for testosterone. Uh, so, uh, yeah, like low carb can also just, you know, downregulate thyroid and cause like too much metabolic stress, which then uh, lowers testosterone. So being uh, kind of uh, mindful about um, the carb cycling, but uh, yeah, just like trying to lose weight and build muscle is going to be uh, the biggest lever. Mm -hmm. From uh, another nutritional side is like for sure, like there may be some nutrient deficiencies that, that uh, contribute to a low testosterone, like vitamin D is a huge one. Also like boron, so boron is um, another mineral that uh, helps with testosterone. It uh, lowers this uh, sex hormone binding globulin, which then frees up more testosterone. Um, and a lot of people aren't like getting enough boron. Of course, there's uh, like magnesium that can be a thing. Um, if, if, if the person is not sleeping well, if they're chronically stressed, chronically overworking, then try to uh, fix that. Mm. But when it comes to the plastics themselves, then uh, I would, you know, try to uh, avoid them uh, as much as possible. Like I wouldn't, you know, drink uh, from uh, plastic bottles all the time. If you're on the road or something and you have it, like sometimes it's not a, not a big problem, but uh, like on a habitual basis, try to drink from um, you know, ceramics or uh, glasses or these other bottles that don't have these uh, compounds. Uh, yeah. There's also like way to like detox them. You can, uh, excrete them uh, with uh, sweating so uh, the sauna is a good thing for that mm -hmm. mm, exercise as well makes you uh, sweat yeah yeah absolutely um and i think sort of compounds like dim and indole 3 i think they sometimes can help support males lose some of those sort of you know estrogen mm. mimickers as well through the liver so that can also yeah. be helpful um but eating a healthy diet obviously comes into all that as well um yeah, yeah like a higher fi <laughs> higher fiber higher fiber intake yeah also binds to the estrogen so yeah absolutely absolutely so in terms of biohacks surrounding testosterone and you know there's a few people out there um and i think you've also mentioned it a few times you know you've got the red light therapy you've got peeping cold or you've got ice in your balls or you've got sunlight <laughs> so what do they call it the butthole sun sunny or something <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> What is your favorite sort of biohacks around testosterone? Other than mm. lifestyle and diet, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, maybe, yeah, like uh, 
the the one that I recently been doing is the uh, ice pack on the testicles. So uh, like excess heat is gonna mm -hmm. sh shut down or uh, inhibit this uh, spermatogenesis, and uh, cooling them off will you know help to restore that. And it also has been shown to improve uh, testosterone levels. Another like Australian uh, Lucas Aon, who I've had on my mm -hmm. podcast, uh, he kind of. Uh, pioneered this thing online <laughs> where he uh, started to share his and and his uh, natural testosterone levels were quite high like 988 or something on that uh, mm, that's uh, right. so yeah and uh, he at that time he you know did like a diligent exercise routine as well but he also did that he ice packed uh, his uh, testicles like three times a day for five minutes or something like that and uh, yeah it's going to help with uh, like the blood flow there and the sperm count yeah. And the red light or the sunlight on uh, the testicles, uh, there was like one study that found, like old study, like in the 60s or something, um, where they uh, shined this UV light on the testicles versus uh, on the entire body, but not the testicles, and the ones who were exposed to the testicles, they, their testosterone levels rose significantly more. Okay. So, um, you know, the, the UV light um, may have like some benefits uh, for that, but I think that. Um, it's you know, just one study uh, and uh, it's not like completely proven. The red light may have, well, the red light that also has like these um, more of these effects because the red light also stimulates this energy production and uh, then helps with uh, sperm count and uh, testosterone levels. So yeah, like I don't think you necessarily need to use the sunlight, although it also has like some uh, red light there. But if you have access to the red light, the red light is probably more therapeutic or with less like uh, side effects <laughs> for, for, for the testicles. Quite, quite a sensitive, non-exposed area. So you don't <laughs> want to be overexposing them, <laughs> especially with yeah. the heat too. <laughs> um, yeah, Lucas, is, Lucas is, is gold. I had him on uh, a little while ago and then I spoke to John Gray on, on the podcast and he's like, I listened to the testosterone one with Lucas. And he said something about icing the balls and he's like, I'm fascinated. And I'm like, I know, because he's big into the testosterone too, obviously, um, and the yeah. way to build it. So, yeah, it's funny. It's done really well. It's awesome. Um, all right. So I think speaking boron and, and, and magnesium in relation to testosterone is a good lead on into minerals and the mineral fix. Uh, I'm very excited actually that you and James have written the book because I, I bang on about minerals so much to my clients and how important they are and people just, some, some believe me obviously, but some just like, no, you're kidding. So mm -hmm. talk, me, talk me through like why, why we miss minerals so much in terms of the, the common understanding of it. Like it's just seemed to be missed out of a lot of, of understanding of health. And, um, and then we'll talk through different ways of, and, and benefits of, of getting good minerals in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the uh, minerals are just like fundamental to all these processes inside the body. Energy, energy production, ATP production itself requires a ton of different minerals. You also need minerals for neurotransmitters. And uh, yeah, a lot of uh, deficiencies in these minerals can cause different kinds of uh, these uh, or promote things like insulin resistance or uh, high blood pressure and those like age or the diseases. Mm. Uh, the reason why we're like deficient, a lot of people are deficient or like, uh, like how many people are deficient? Like it's more like one, one in three people uh, may have like some uh, deficiency in at least like one of the minerals. Mm. Uh, so um, yeah, like your very few people are fully optimized uh, with all the minerals. Yeah. Mm. And uh, the reason for that has to do with uh, 
you know, like just not eating enough nutritious foods, eating a lot of processed foods, refined foods that have these uh, minerals uh, depleted, um, as well as uh, like the general decline in the amount of those minerals uh, in the soil. So erosion, pesticides, herbicides, uh, just poor agricultural, agricultural practices, uh, they deplete the soil from uh, the minerals as well. And yeah, just you end up uh, not getting enough. And some of the biggest ones are like magnesium, uh, boron, I mentioned iodine in some places of the world. Mm. And potassium is generally quite low in many people. And uh, maybe like chromium was, was another one that we uh, at least like thought that would be a quite important one because the um, chromium helps with our blood sugar regulation and uh, many people would benefit from that. And uh, the absorption of chromium from food is uh, quite low, like uh, only 1%. So uh, you would need to eat like a ton of uh, additional chromium and the hi highest sources of chromium are like uh, mussels and oysters and most people are just not eating, you know, for that. <laughs> no. I like making fun swallow as fast as I can, oysters. Fantastic. So in terms of uh, minerals when it comes to water as well, so you talk about the hard versus soft water in the book as well. So a lot of people say to me, look, when, you, when we have good water, it's hard to get the minerals in. So, you know, you have to replace them. So what are your best tricks around water and then best ways to get minerals in other than obviously a well-balanced diet, anything else that we can do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, some sort of uh, like a mineral, good mineral water uh, is an easy way to also increase your daily mineral intake. Mm, the, you absorb like 40% more of the minerals from water than from food. And uh, yeah, th those mineral waters have also been found to have like these uh, similar benefits, like uh, lowers inflammation. And uh, also like if you consume uh, mineral water with the meal, then you lower the uh, postprandial triglyceride and the blood sugar response from that meal as well, because of the minerals kind of help to uh, utilize them. And um, yeah, I think the, you know, drinking some mineral water can be for sure a good addition if you're uh, if you suspect that you're deficient in some uh, minerals okay. uh, and uh, but you know it's not necessarily mandatory or it's not super necessary if you are eating like a yeah, very balanced and very uh, good diet like if you're eating a ton of these uh, maybe liver oysters uh, mussels yeah. some meat uh, eggs uh, and potassium rich uh, vegetables then uh, you are getting you know quite a lot of uh, like the vast majority of your minerals yeah. that you need yeah and you know, a lot of people forget the fact that oysters, liver, all those aspects will have, all those things will have a lot of minerals in them. And um, because where we are in the world, in Australia, we have really poor soils. We have really poor mineral rich soils. So we do not get much out of our veggies. Yes, anything that's grown in them and fruits. So there's always a portion of, of what we have to look at in terms of re replacing that somehow. But the animal products can also be a really good way of doing that. Mm. Yeah. yeah 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 excellent so in terms of um what other things have you obviously out of the book anything else that you found really surprising or you know very interesting in terms of minerals and anything surprised you when you were researching for the book hmm. um well yeah like the when i was writing we were writing it then they i did learn a lot new things um one of them was like 
the uh, connection between uh, copper and uh, anemia. So uh, iron deficiency anemia is like a huge uh, deficiency across the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, generally it's thought to be like a caused by iron, not, not enough iron. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you look at it like a diet, then most people are getting uh, quite a lot of iron already. Mm -hmm. And uh, iron supplementation hasn't been, it, it doesn't always work. Uh, so uh, it actually has to do with uh, copper. So copper is uh, another mineral that helps with uh, iron absorption. It helps with uh, hemoglobin transportation, red, red blood cell production, etc. And it's uh, basically like an activator of iron and hemoglobin. So, uh, and uh, it's since like, since the 19th century, like it's been seen that uh, copper helps with uh, these uh, symptoms of anemia, like, uh, factory workers who worked at copper copper factories mm -hmm. then uh, they were always like compared to like the other factories they had like this glowing skin and uh, they didn't have any anemia uh, whereas the other ones uh, tended to have like those kinds of symptoms so it's been like, quite known for a long time that there is some uh, connection there and uh, yeah like copper helps with this uh, activating the iron and absorbing it mm -hmm. so uh, you you get iron from uh, you know all these uh, fortified foods uh, but as well like the muscle meat, uh, whereas you get copper from the organ meats like uh, liver, maybe like dark chocolate a little bit, uh, some beans. Uh, so uh, yeah, like increasing your copper, copper intake a little bit uh, uh, may help with uh, things like anemia and uh, low like uh, low uh, hemoglobin. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And then knowing that, you know, minerals, because they do antagonize, you know, some of them do antagonize each other. So it's like, you know, zinc and the copper, and then if you have too much zinc, and then the, it's a very interesting mm -hmm. topic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, yeah like, you know, start, starting to eat like uh, 10 ounces of liver every day is not going to be a good idea because you're going to get uh, too much of uh, copper, for example, or too much other kind of minerals. Uh, so, yeah, like you do need to um, balance them uh, with the other minerals, and the more isn't like always a better. Yeah, and that's why a balanced diet, you know, doing doing things in balance versus eating, you know, a week of just liver. <laughs> it's probably not ideal. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. So yeah, well done for like I've got it here. It's um it's a fantastic book, just for those who are watching. Um and it's you know, it's a good size and there's lots of I'm still to get all the way through it. I've picked out lots of different bits. Um, but fascinating and I love the information. It's, it's amazing. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you as well. Um, so now the, the issue of the moment is, well, it's always pain, but immune. So now onto, onto your other book and I sort of want to stage this podcast like this because it's really, um, it's nice all the topics that you actually write about and I wanted to cover them all off. So yeah, this one. Now, obviously, we've got the uh, pandemic and it's been written right in the middle of it or right at the start of it. And so what can we do surrounding our innate immunity and, and where do we fall down? And I think it does have a similar trend to what we have spoken about, where you know, lifestyle, diet, but you know, specifically looking at the immunity of our world at the moment and looking and focusing on the innate immunity, I think, from my perspective, is really important. So, mm -hmm. yeah, give us some tips right. and tricks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, um, you know, there are, the, the immune system is like, um, almost like, you know, you can think of like an army or something uh, that is uh, always, you know, trying to deal with the uh, environment and the things we get exposed to. And uh, it also needs 
different kinds of you know resources so the nutrient dense diet is uh, quite important uh, for that so uh getting sure that you need getting making sure that you get enough of these uh, minerals and uh, vitamins that uh, help the immune system like magnesium vitamin c zinc and selenium and uh, other kinds of uh, nutrients that uh, help to fuel like the immune cells help to deal with the oxidative stress inflammation etc so yeah like if you aren't able to like uh, put out the fire, so to say, then it you know, uh, take, gets out of control and eventually takes over the entire system and causes too much damage. And so yeah, like if you have like this proper antioxidant defense systems uh, working properly, uh, thanks to the uh, resources that it has, then you're able to like uh, with, withstand these kinds of uh, stressors, any kind of stressor, like aging itself also requires these antioxidant defenses. So uh, you'll be just uh, more uh, stronger against uh, the outside world in essence and there are like some things that also like uh, deplete those antioxidant defenses on like the uh, things that you don't need like you know or things that you uh, wouldn't benefit from like you know diabetes uh, high blood sugar insulin resistance um, metabolic syndrome all those things uh, damage or they deplete your antioxidant def defenses and they also have been found to you know have like this negative effect on the immune system because of that as well as us you know offsetting the balance between different kinds of immune cells and uh, also causing too much inflammation etc so uh yeah eating a good diet and not getting not developing all these um comorbidities is uh the mo i think that at least like the most important uh, thing for creating a solid foundation to be able to like uh stand against uh, the the uh outside world mm. and uh, there are some strategies to also boost the immune system so to say or uh increases effectiveness enhance it uh, for that, like uh, the sauna exercise as well. They, you know, uh, they increase the white blood cells. They also have other benefits on the immune system, lower inflammation, and uh, they also prevent, like, at least like the heat. It's heat has been shown to like uh, inhibit the replication of different kinds of viruses like influenza and uh, kills off uh, pathogens as well in the heat. So yeah, the, the uh, heat exposure is a, uh, quite a quite an, uh, very beneficial uh, thing uh, for the immune system and uh, mm -hmm. since like the 50s it's also been uh, used in like Finland and uh, other Nordic countries as a preventative uh, preventative thing uh, against the influenza and uh, people who are doing regular sauna they uh, see that their uh, risk of influenza goes down quite a lot and uh, if they do get sick then uh, the severity of the sickness is also um, also was smaller because their their body has like these upregulated immune immune cells and uh, immune functions and at the same time their their body is also like experiencing this small amount of stress like this small hormesis that uh, actually makes the body stronger and uh, more resilient yeah yeah absolutely and then challenging the immune system on a regular basis in a healthy way is is, is so mm. good in in various other ways you know, when we talk about yeah, children and, and infants in the first year of life, you know, expose them to most, multiple things so you can actually build that beautiful barrier and, and your immune system knows how to react very well. So it's also about how it learns and the army, you know, are they going to respond at the right time in the right way versus, you know, overreact yeah. and just and, and shoot and, <laughs> and kill everything. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's so important to think about it in that way. Absolutely. Um, so for, for other immune um, aspects, uh, anything else in terms of you know other biohacks or certain ways of eating or you know, what we've even talked about now in terms of the ketosis and fasting? So where, where's your stance in terms of immunity on that? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, fasting, uh, it does have like some benefits on uh, the immune system. Uh, also because of like autophagy, it helps to clear some pathogens. It reduces inflammation um, and uh, kills off these uh, zombie cells. Like one, your immune system can also age. Uh, your immune system has its age uh, and uh, immunosenescence is the process of uh, aging of the immune system. And if you are, if your immune system is very old, then uh, your, your, just your immunity will also go down as a result of that. And the like things that slow down the immunosenescence are again, like, you know, just healthy lifestyle and fat, exercise, but also like fasting can help to clear out these senescent cells and uh, in the process also slow down this uh, process. Mm. Fasting uh, does appear to be very beneficial. Like um, one recent study also found that it is very beneficial for uh, bacterial infections. So uh, if you are like the, the, there was like these mice and humans who uh, fasted prior to uh, or doing like some sort of inflammatory eating or some other kinds of intermittent fasting um, prior to getting infected with like a salmonella, then uh, they they got they got better much faster and they didn't have like any of the like serious uh, symptoms compared to those who didn't do any, any, any form of that. So it does have a good effect, at least on bacterial infections. Does mm-hmm. it have like on viral, viral infections? Um, not really sure, um, because another, another study, an earlier study found that uh, fasting was worse for uh, viral infections, but it was again beneficial for bacterial infections. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe like it has to do with uh, how the, uh, if you're fasting and you're not eating, then you're starving out the bacteria Yep. But if it's like a viral replication uh, or viral infection, then uh, you would be much better off kind of providing your system with the nutrients to deal with that uh, because you, you can't really starve out a virus, so to say. Like, uh, so, yeah, I think that it's, it's a, it, it can be good thing as a preventative thing, uh, again, that uh, you use it as a preventative thing, uh, similar to the sauna. Uh, so it, you would keep your immune system under this slight amount of uh, beneficial stress and... Uh, increase also these antioxidant defenses but if you're like already sick then it probably isn't the smartest idea to um, at least like fast for several days like that's probably not a good thing uh, but doing some sort of this time feeding uh, can still be good uh, because you know naturally people don't really want to eat if they are uh, sick um, so maybe like skip a few meals but uh, don't go away entirely like without food without food yeah i totally agree with you Amazing. So there's a lot to learn there for many people in relation to all the things that we've spoken about, but even um, you know, immunity and immune strength and immune support, there's just not enough being said. Well, there is in the, in the scope of our sort of realms of biohacking, but not outside in the, re- in the real world, in the public. So really trying to focus on what we can actually do for our immune health is, is super important because that's what's going to really get us through um, this, this whole you know, thing that we're going through as well as in the future. So yeah, really important. Now, before we run out of time, Sim, I wanted to ask you your top things that you do every day or every week that you have to have in your life, whether it be biohacking um, or just things that you have to have in your life to survive and thrive. Mm. (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) from a biohacking side or just health side, I think, uh, well, I, I, really uh, i think exercise, exercise is important regular exercise and i do some sort of exercise almost every day and uh, i rarely go any longer than a few days without exercise so like the longest i've been without exercise over the past i don't know six years has been maybe five days or something uh, 
So yeah, like I do think it's important. I, I like it. I enjoy it. And it does have like one of the biggest um, benefits, biggest impacts on just overall health. Uh, so that is definitely one of my non-negotiables that I do want to do something um, physical every day. Mm. And uh, things that I could like go without would be like, I could go without like the cold or the sauna for a few weeks, but uh, after that, I still would start to like miss them and I want to, you know, get something like high temperatures and cold as well. Um, as well as like some sort of time eating is something I do every day. Uh, like it doesn't have to be one meal a day, but it, you know, some confinement. Like by now I've gotten so used to it. So it's actually very weird for me to try to eat uh, three meals a day or something yeah. like that. So uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, at least I'll do like uh, one to two meals would be like the max for me. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of cold therapy, what do you use? Do you use a bath? Do you use, well, you know, obviously in winter you don't have to worry too much where you live, but what, mm -hmm. what, what are you using? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I usually, at least like this time of the year, I'm doing like a regular cold shower, mm -hmm. or we also have like the next to the sauna, we have this uh, bath or like a cold tub, mm -hmm. and uh, I'll use that sometimes. Uh, during the winter, yeah, also you... During, during the winter, you, I can jump into the snow or something, uh, <laughs> or if there is like a lake or some stream nearby, then I also use that. Um, but yeah, cold shower or uh, some sort of a cold exposure plunge. Yeah, gorgeous. I love Estonia. I haven't been where you live, but I went to Tallinn and I just love that part of the world and Helsinki when I put the water on the boat. So yeah, I remember that very fondly. <laughs> gorgeous yeah, part yeah. of the world. Um, all right, so I wanted to ask you in, in terms of supplements or additions that you add into your life, if, you know, even if it's not every day, what, what do you make sure you get regularly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I uh, take magnesium, not every day, but maybe like every other day. I take uh, glycine every day. So glycine helps with uh, also inflammation and uh, methylation and just uh, oxidative stress. And it's also good for longevity. I take that every day. I take uh, creatine basically every day for exercise performance, but it also has like uh, cognitive effects and uh, just helps with also longevity. Mm -hmm. mm. I do take like some es essential amino acids as well on most days. Um, other things, uh, I may take like, you know, things like maybe spirulina sometimes to get some uh, like B vitamins and uh, also helps with like gelating uh, some uh, iron and uh, toxins, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. mm. Uh, well, maybe I also take like CoQ10, I take, I take um, resveratrol. Mm -hmm. But yeah, at the, at the moment, I can't think of any, any other. Yeah, uh, it's on and off. You're, and, we're, and we're always finding new things or, or trying to find a new product to also try and um, combine a lot of these things as well. So hmm. that's fantastic. Yeah. So where, where do people find you and um, anything coming up for you? Any books you're writing at the moment that you're allowed to say? <laughs> uh, yeah, well... Uh, we are writing a new book as well with James. Uh, it's going to be about exercise uh, performance, like uh, sports and uh, fitness uh, from uh, both, both for uh, like recreational athletes and professional athletes. And 
you can find me uh, at uh, seamland.com and uh, I'm also seamland on all the uh, social media apps. Excellent. That's exciting. Exercise performance. Oh, I can't wait <laughs> to read that as well. <laughs> so many books on my, on my list. So it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you, Sim, and, and thank you. Last seen you in London a few years ago. Seems like a lifetime ago when we can actually travel. So uh, I can't wait <laughs> yeah. for that time again when we can go to conferences properly. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for thanks for talking. Thanks for listening to the Revital Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Revital Health as well as our website, revitalhealth.com.au for upcoming podcasts, workshops and speaking events. Find out about specials happening in the clinic and all the show notes and links mentioned in the podcast. Please remember that this information discussed here is general information and it is not intended to diagnose or treat individuals. Please speak to your healthcare professional before embarking on any new treatments, lifestyle changes, medicines or supplementation to assess your suitability. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you again soon.